Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report podcast. I'm your host, Vago Muradian. Our podcast is brought to you by Bell since 1935. Bell has been redefining flight. Learn more about its pioneering spirit at bellflight.com. And it is my honor to welcome to the program today, Admiral Pierre Vandier, uh, the Chief of the French Navy or the Marine Nationale. Uh, sir, it's an honor and pleasure having you on the program. Bienvenue. Yes, thank you very much to have me here on your uh, podcast. Uh, it's an honor and pleasure, sir. Uh, before we get started, Leonardo DRS sponsors our global coverage. Northrop Grumman sponsors our weekly cyber report and our cyber coverage overall. And General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy. Our coverage of the recent Surface Navy Association's annual symposium was sponsored by Huntington Ingalls Industries. You are in Washington, uh, where you met with your American counterpart and good friend, uh, Admiral Mike uh, Gilday. Uh, you are in the White House, and you're going to be heading uh, to Hawaii for meetings with the Indo-Pacific. Pacific Commander Admiral Lung Aquilino and, and others. France is a Pacific power uh, with 11 million square kilometers of sea space and nearly 2 million citizens in the region. Uh, but China, Russia, and North Korea are all regional uh, challenges and are investing heavily in naval capabilities. Uh, and they're working increasingly together. You've said that future wars will likely be fought at sea and in cyberspace. Uh, but the naval domain is becoming more deadly. The range of the weapons is increasing. They're becoming hypersonic. Uh, defense is becoming a bigger challenge. Uh, given the amount of firepower, for example, China uh, can shoot at great range. And unmanned capabilities uh, on, over, and under the sea are becoming more vital. What are the broad trends that are driving your planning, training, and your investment strategy for the French Navy? I do think that we are uh, in a new strategic uh, cycle where competition is, is new, um, is, is again on the stage uh, and in a full spectrum range, uh, especially um, if I want to sum it, sum it up, uh, it's, uh, I could sum it up uh, in a um, global commons warfare. Uh, the global commons is uh, these huge areas that are very difficult to dominate, but where we take our power from. It's uh, space, cyberspace, and maritime domain. It's a huge areas where uh, you can earn and win a lot, a lot of money, where technology drives everything, where the rule of law is difficult to implement and is related with technological issues. And so uh, we, if, if we consider the competition between China and the US, we can sum it up uh, about this global commons competition. The one that will maintain or uh, gain the supremacy in these three global commons will probably prevail in the next century. And so uh, it's the reason why you see uh, huge amounts of money which are spent on these three domains. Uh, there is a race in space, there is a race in uh, AI uh, and in cyber, and there is a race and a military race in the global commons in the maritime domain. So if, if, I, if I just finish, uh, in fact, for us, for, for the navies, uh, fighting at sea is uh, fighting in these three domains simultaneously because uh, fighting uh, with a warship needs to be connected with the space, we be connected with the uh, uh, cyberspace. And so uh, we, we are uh, in the middle of this battle. Um, what is the strategic role of France in the Indo-Pacific and the future of French uh, partnership with US forces in the region? In fact, France is implicated uh, as, as a, um, as, because we, we are in this area with territories. We are in Mayotte, we are in La Réunion, we are in New Caledonia, we are in, in the um, 
um, Pacific Islands um, of um, around Tahiti uh, or the French Polynesia. And we have 1.6 million of French people that, that are living here. And we have 60% uh, of our EEZ, which is in this area. So we are committed much more than other partners. Um, and what are some of the capabilities uh, that you want to move into the region, the presence you want to have? Obviously, uh, there is a frigate presence uh, in the region and an occasional uh, presence. Uh, I know that uh, a French uh, submarine was recently uh, deployed to the region, a French attack submarine. But what do you want to do with your broader footprint over the longer term uh, in the region? So first, we have permanent forces which are deployed in this area. We are we have uh, ships, we have uh, some uh, patrol ships, some uh, small frigates. We have surveillance aircraft, and so the first task is to protect our citizen in our in our EEZs. And so we monitor illegal activities, uh, drug trafficking, drug smuggling, uh, arms tra uh, traffics, um, and illegal fishing. And so it's a main task. And as far as the uh, the, the pressure on the uh, oceans is rising. Uh, in fact, it, uh, all these operations uh, appear to be gray zone operations. And on this base, we have um, a regular deployment uh, um, uh, time, time frame for uh, our assets coming from France. And so basically we have the Jeanne d'Arc mission where uh, we send our cadets with a frigate to train and to develop partnership with uh, uh, local countries uh, up to uh, Japan and to Asia. Um, and we have the carrier deployments, uh, depending to the, uh, the, the availability and the uh, maintenance cycle of the carrier. Uh, and so we used to go uh, each year or each two years uh, in the Indian Ocean uh, up to uh, the, the, marg the margins of Pacific. Um, let me uh, ask you uh, about improving interoperability. Uh, obviously, uh, the United States and the French Navy are old friends and, uh, and, and uh, strategic partners. Um, but the challenge now is creating some, a, a plug and fight, a seamless plug and fight environment uh, between the two forces. Uh, the French and U.S. forces conducted exercises last year when uh, French uh, Rear Admiral Marc Ossedat commanded Task Force 50. Uh, where do you stand on better integrating U.S. French, uh, US and French naval forces uh, to make that interoperability totally seamless? Um, today, uh, so uh, during the past um, 10 years, we, we raised our level of interoperability um, in a carrier range. In fact, we, we did a lot with uh, U.S. carriers in the Gulf area, uh, thanks to uh, the operation the U.S. were um, uh, are doing in, uh, in Iraq, in the Gulf and Persian Gulf, uh, and in, um, uh, in the Northern Indian Ocean. And so we had some exchanges, uh, officers, we were uh, sending frigates in the US groups or having some US frigates with our group. And at the end of it, we, we took the, the lead of the CTF-50. And so we were in charge of a battle group uh, in, the, uh, in the Gulf area uh, under US command. And so that was uh, the ultimate expression of the interoperability we, want, we wanted to achieve. And so it's a strong base to, to enforce uh, and to develop uh, thanks to new armaments, to new tactics and new challenges we have to face. You mentioned uh, new new tactics, and you've been changing uh, how the French Navy uh, trains to make the training more realistic, as we saw in the Polaris uh, 21 exercise uh, last year with U.S., French, British, Italian, Spanish, and Greek uh, warships. How does training uh, and especially um, culture uh, need to change as we go into a new environment uh, that could have uh, communications denied, information denied, all of the things, you know, all of uh, the capabilities that we've taken for granted over these past uh, three decades or so. 
all, all the concepts that have been developed after the fall of the of the wall uh, in Germany uh, were in fact uh, based on the fact that the uh, sea was safe. And so it was from the sea concept, it was sea basing. And so uh, sea was a sort of a safe haven where you were able to come from to strike at, strike at land. And so that had changed due to the huge rearmaments we are facing, not only the Chinese. And so all these weapons, uh, which are uh, put at sea each year, um, led a, a, a very simple conclusion that all these ships are dedicated at least for deter and perhaps to fight. And so um, the, the concept where you were safe at sea, and so your weapons were only directed to protect yourself quite simply and strike at, at land, uh, I think it's over. Uh, perhaps we'll do some uh, again, but mainly we, we, we need to be prepared to a confrontation at sea. And it will be quick, it will be violent, and it may change deeply the, 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 the force balance uh, after a short engagement. One of the things you mentioned in your uh, great conversation with uh, Dr. Seth Jones at the uh, Center for Strategic and International Studies, right, was uh, to get uh, a new generation of leaders uh, to be more creative at sea, uh, given how quickly um, uh, conflict could uh, erupt. Um, the French Navy is a global force. It's highly capable, but it's also half the size of the fleet that you joined when you were commissioned more than 30 years ago. And this is happening, as you mentioned, as global threats are increasing. You in issued your Mercator uh, strategy last year, soon after you took office. How do you plan to operate, modernize, and grow the French Navy uh, and, and the capabilities that the force needs in five uh, to 10 years, especially when it comes to long-range strike, defending the fleet, uh, and, and all the other capabilities you need for a modern cutting edge Navy. The, the, um, as I, I told you at the beginning with the uh, global uh, commons warfare, in fact, the spectrum of uh, war fighting where is uh, exploding on, on all sides. So uh, you may uh, suffer a cyber attack on your ship uh, you may at the same time have information warfare, uh, and then you may have uh, to fight against supersonic weapons. And so uh, the idea in training for our forces and what ex we experience in Polaris is to have our commanders at sea be able to face uh, multiple challenges at the same time and act with a uh, um, uh, minimized planning. They have to, to be very proactive. They have to invent the war which they, they will have to fight. And this war won't be written in books. So they have to write it to invent. Um, in terms of module and evolutions, um, we, we will renew most parts of the French Navy in the next decade. Uh, we are finishing the renewal of our frigates. We, have, we will have the, the full spectrum of our patrol ships that will be renewed. We will renew the surveillance uh, aircraft. We will uh, launch the uh, future MPA program. Uh, we are buying three E2Ds. We launched the renewal of our SSNs, SSBNs. And so in 2030, uh, the face of the French Navy will be uh, deeply uh, um, uh, renewed. Um, let me ask you about a new uh, carrier. Uh, you commanded the Charles de Gaulle, the nuclear-powered, uh, France's nuclear-powered uh, aircraft carrier. You're also a distinguished naval aviator. Uh, you're starting your career in the uh, Super Entendard and, of course, transitioning to uh, the first uh, operational Rafale uh, unit uh, that went into service after uh, the legendary Crusader uh, was, uh, was retired as the French Navy's interceptor. Um, what does this next generation of French aircraft carrier need to look like? What are the important attributes the new ship has to have? So um, we, we, we made a, a full assessment about uh, what a carrier uh, 
could do, should do, and is it the good platform to, to work with, and what, what are the key assets of the carrier. Uh, and so we, 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 we put the, um, the subject on, on scrap and we rebuilt it from, from the beginning. So we, we know that today that we need that kind of platform because uh, at sea, uh, in this uh, new confrontation uh, we expect to 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 be uh, to be in front of uh, with air superiority will be decisive uh, when you are able to uh, launch a, a strike of 20 fighters with long range weapons uh, you are the first to put power on the on the opponents uh, and so uh, we think that in that kind of conflict it's decisive for, to have carriers and, and the good point is that our own assessment uh, may be the same as everybody, because you see the number of carriers being under construction, which is uh, raising. Uh, the key asset for this carrier, it will be equipped with emails because we want to share the same technology with the US and not pay too, too much money to develop our own technology. Um, these aircraft carrier will be bigger. Uh, Charles de Gaulle is 40 to 2,000 tons. This one would be nearly 80 thousand tons, so a big carrier to be able to have these emails catapults and to uh, host the future fighter, um, uh, which is a Franco-German program, which name is CAF. It's a future combat air system. Um, let me uh, ask you about inv uh, investment uh, in sea power. Uh, as you mentioned, right, the French Navy and all navies are smaller than they were uh, decades ago at a time when other rival navies or potential rivals are increasing uh, their naval capabilities. Um, I think that politicians have a tendency of understanding air and land warfare better than they really understand naval warfare and sea warfare and maritime issues, because in part it's sort of over the horizon and, and folks sometimes don't have an ability to perhaps visualize it. From, from your standpoint, are, are naval leaders doing as good of a job as they can to explain the importance of sea power, the importance of inf uh, in investment in naval systems? And at the same time, are they also, do, do political leaders understand how violent naval warfare can be? You know, a bad day on the land can be 20 dead, a bad day at sea can be hundreds dead in seconds. Um, yes, in fact, uh, uh, it's what I call the, uh, the Fashoda lens lesson. You know, Fashoda is a small village which is in Sudan. And at the end of the 19th century, you had a, a, a column of French soldiers that were left from Dakar, and they met a British uh, column coming from uh, Le Cairo. And they met in Fashoda where they fought. Uh, the French won, and, and so the, the, the British were very puzzled. And they send the, the home fleets in front of Brest and Toulon, and they say, whether you, you quit Fashoda, whether you, we smash you up uh, on your two home ports. And so the French government had to retreat from uh, Fashoda because they didn't have sufficient forces to face the home fleet. And so uh, this is an example of the kind of lessons we can, we can face. If we lose a, a, a combat at sea, uh, the discussion will be very different. And we will have, if we, you have no tools to face the enemy at sea, then you have to, to, to make a, um, a sort of arrangement about, uh, about land. And so I think that that is the, uh, the intent of the, of the countries that are developing their navies. They know that they can have leverage on the others by fighting at sea where you have no civilian populations, where the, um, 
the um, commercial lanes are very important. If you block uh, a country uh, for its commercial lanes, it will last only weeks and then it will be finished. It's what Europe learned when the Evergreen blocked the uh, Swiss Canal uh, during seven days. Everybody was, was hoping that this will be stopped very quickly. And if it, uh, it wouldn't have happened and, uh, as, as, uh, as it was, so the, the, the ship was... Uh, put in the right way uh, in only seven days, I think European countries would have suffered uh, shortages on a lot of things and, and not only cars and, and computers. You know, you mentioned uh, our adversaries uh, or potential adversaries growing and increasing their investment. Is the size of the French Navy uh, going to be uh, growing as well over, say, the next 10 years? I think it's a very political question for the French. It's now the election and the public debate where you have some uh, politicians which are each side discussing about this. Uh, for us, uh, the, the, the first point is to, to be on a plan of renewal that have been set up by President Macron uh, during the, the, the five past years. A lot of programs have been launched and for me, the Chief of Navy, the question is uh, the ability to fulfill all the commitments that have been launched uh, by these uh, five years uh, um, investments. And then the size is a question for post 2030. Uh, it's the number of frigates. It's perhaps the question of having or not a second carrier, the number of aircraft. And really, it's a political ambition question. And, and let me ask you one last question, uh, given that you're going to be you're, you're, uh, heading uh, toward uh, Hawaii. Uh, what are your priorities uh, out there? So here in the Pacific, so as I told you, uh, we're, we are a partner because we live here, because we have citizens which live in the Pacific and the Indian Ocean. So the idea is uh, to have discussions with uh, the military side to better coordinate, uh, to, um, to, to have a better strategic messaging, uh, and so to, to give a, a better a better view of uh, what we can do uh, and cooperate in this area where uh, we have huge, huge uh, questions to, um, to answer and not only military. Um, we, we spoke with some officials uh, here in, in Washington about what happened to Tonga you know that the military tools can do a lot of HDR. Uh, we 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 spoke of gray zone operations, and so uh, the the spectrum of actions in the area is very wide, and so um, it's very important to be uh, to be in phase to coordinate ourselves, um, depending to our political uh, commitments. Admiral Vandier, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Merci beaucoup et bon voyage. Merci beaucoup. À bientôt. À bientôt. And now a word from our sponsor, retired United States Army Major General Jeff Schlosser, who is the Executive Vice President for Strategic Pursuits at Bell. We've been building creative and innovative aircraft, next generation types of capabilities for almost nine decades. Bell is the company that can deliver that. Thanks very much, sir. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please follow our daily podcasts and visit the Defense and Aerospace Report website to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook at Defense and Aerospace Report and check us out on LinkedIn and stay tuned for our weekly cyber report sponsored by Northrop Grumman. Thanks again to Bell for their generous sponsorship and we'll see you again tomorrow.